0: Hey beer lovers I'm Kenna and I'm Chris. Are you ready to crack a cold one? I'm ready. I already did actually. (laughs) I'm ready too.
1: Hi everybody. Kenna and I are super excited about our introductory podcast on a an idea that we've thought about for I don't know since yesterday (laughs) 10 minutes (laughs) no it was like three hours (laughs) we ate food for three hours and talked about it so now it's
0: happening yeah, so pretty much today uh, what you're gonna hear is a little bit of beer background, um, if you already know a little bit about beer, that's great, if you know nothing about beer, that's even better, but I want to make sure that everybody has an open mind coming in because I learned a lot of stuff, to even today, just researching, and I've been bartending for seven years, I thought I knew everything about beer, it turns out I was wrong. So we're gonna tackle just a couple of uh, interesting facts today, intro to beer, and then a little bit about what we're gonna do as far as the rest of the podcast. But we wanted to make sure that you guys got to know us a little bit and
1: just kinda learned a little bit about beer before we started going into the different kinds that we're gonna talk about. Yeah, and and exactly what Kenna said, we're no experts, we're learning too. Uh, We know a little bit about beer. We certainly like drinking beer. Uh, We love visiting small businesses and supporting that small business. But we are here to learn and then what we learn we want to pass on to you a little bit about my background I have a business background but I did a short stint as a chef and really enjoyed that. Um, I've always been a foodie my whole life and that really cemented the whole um, the food, the wine, the beer and the pairings that go in between that. So basically uh, other than my short little stint as a as a retail chef, I have just fallen in love with it, and it's been kind of just a passion of mine. Absolutely, and I have, um, in my 23, wow, 25 years of there life, how
0: old am I? Where am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have bartended for about seven years, like I said. Um, I have worked from anywhere from dive bars to fine dining, so I think that I know, I'd like to think that I know a little bit about alcohol in general um i did take a few beer classes that were required at my first job uh, which was very informational but beer is such a widespread thing it's just there's infinite facts about it infinite details about the process let alone uh, the history of it and just you know everything in between so we thought that we'd take this time to kind of go through that with you guys and then we're going to dive into microbreweries after this we're going to visit A lot of the microbreweries, I think we have almost 300 300 in San Antonio alone. In the area, yeah. and Or, yeah, San Antonio and surrounding areas. And um, side note, we're from San Antonio, South Texas. And uh, we're going to try to visit those, get to know not only about the beer that they sell, but the business owners themselves, the managers, the employees, what their passions are, and a little bit of their background as well. So we're not only focusing on beer. We're definitely wanting to focus on local businesses and keeping it uh, small. We definitely want to be able to give back to those people that pursued their passions and made a
1: name for themselves. Yeah, and we've all learned this year that small businesses really need our support. That's certainly one of the reasons why we're doing this. Besides, we're kind of cooped up and tired and we want to go out, right? Yeah, and we're beer connoisseurs, we like to think. Or I guess alcohol connoisseurs. (laughs) (laughs) We're not shy, we like everything. (laughs) So that's why we're doing this. So our goal is really to bring you some of those bits of knowledge uh, that we will gain we will um, be able to to tell you honestly, one of the things we wanted you to know is that we're not being paid to do this. Uh, We were not going to accept free gifts from the brewery. It's gonna be our honest opinion about those. We're gonna purchase everything we have, be able to taste those and be able to pass that on to you. And because food safety uh, and sanitation are very important to us, we're also gonna share their kitchen scores with you so that you know you can have a clean, safe, and, uh, and healthy environment to go when you visit these. Also too, if you let us know about some of your favorites, we'd love to hear that. Uh, and, and be able to hear and, and get information from you.
0: Absolutely, and just uh, going off of that, if you know anybody that owns a brewery, a family member, a friend, anybody that is is trying to make a name for themselves in the brewery industry, we'd love to visit them and hear about their story, their challenges, their successes, and just what gave them the passion to pursue uh, building that sort of company because we just think that that's a really cool thing to do in general and then not to mention everybody that we've met so far has been like it's just crazy you never know someone's story you know so it's really cool to kind of
1: learn the different aspects of uh, how everybody got into this business yeah and even some of the ones we visited already we just love their stories yeah and and that's been kind of one of the driving forces behind us doing this so we thought it would be really cool to have a mother-daughter team do this historically we know you know guys sit around brick and bear and stuff like that (laughs) but girls certainly can sit around brick and bear but also just um, you know we we'll have decided we want to have fun doing it. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I always have fun when I'm drinking.
0: Maybe too much fun
1: sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about terms. A um, couple of terms. We're going to give you a little bit of history. Not going to bore you. I promise you the research that Ken has done has been amazing. One of the, the things that I wanted to share with you was two really big terms that you'll see when you go into a microbrewery. Uh, and that will really that just these two bits of information will really help arm you with a lot of knowledge. Uh, one of those is what's called an abv alcohol by volume anytime you go into a microbrewery even on if you purchase a packaged uh, uh, beer you'll be able to find this on the label and it's definitely in the the brewery itself but it will be an abv alcohol by volume and what that tells you is how much alcohol are you getting in that glass right in that pint Uh, or it may be six ounces depending on how loaded with alcohol it is so alcohol by volume just to give you a, um, a perspective You get to crack one. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I had to crack a cold one real quick. Continue. So the way um, Dos Equis, which people are normally familiar with, that it's a it's a lager. Uh, Dos Equis ABV is about two point. I'm sorry, four point two percent. So that gives you kind of a gauge. All those big breweries, you know, like Miller Lite and Budweiser or Bud Light and that sort of thing, they hang around that that ABV. When you get into an IPA, which an IPA is a heavier beer, it stands for India Pale Ale. Uh, so let's compare the Dos Equis or any of the light beers to an IPA. An IPA stands for India Pale Ale. It's a heavier beer. Uh, and the... it's what all the frat boys drink, if you uh, if you the boys that. do. They yeah. like... Craft beers,
0: IPAs because they're so, so
1: cool. cool. Yeah, <laughs> well they're about 6.6, so you can see that's quite a bit heavier, uh, two, two, two and a half sometimes heavier. And again, these are round numbers, so it may you know give or take a little bit. So the IPA 6.6, um, that's just a, a round number. It can be a little bit higher, not usually lower, but around that. Now if you compare that to a IPA triple, ye. Ugh, yeah, it gets you're, up there. You're talking 12 to 15 percent alcohol by volume. And also, uh, just to shout out a beer that I don't necessarily
0: drink, but I've seen before that I just stuck in my mind, the Dogfish Head 120 minute IPA is 15 to 20 percent based on the brew that they do because it's different. But man, it's like you're on your ass if you drink
1: one of those. <laughs> like that's is that not, why that's almost like wine. Would they serve that in a smaller glass?
0: Yeah. So. Um, you typically at bars, especially in Texas, because they have such strict liquor laws. Um, they'll serve a higher I- ABV beer in a smaller glass because they can't legally serve you anything more than, that. than that. yeah, yeah. And I think that one of the things that this might not be like a legal thing, but I think one of the reasons for that is that yeah, they could probably serve you a 16 ounce IPA, but then they couldn't serve you another one based on the way that the laws work here in Texas. So they serve you a 10-ounce one so that you can get another one, you know? Sure. And some places will Exactly. And some places will limit you to, like, maybe three 10-ounce ones or, you know, two or whatever it is. And you can have other beer or whatever after that. You just can't have that same one because it's so high in alcohol. And they definitely don't want you to act like a jackass or get too drunk, you know? Like, especially without food. But, yeah, that's – so it's called a – It's called a Snifter, I'm pretty sure, the glass. And it's also used for brandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of the same glass. So they would would serve a 10-ounce, just as an example, there's a beer called Old Rasputin. It's a a stout beer, and it comes on that nitro tap that I was telling you about. But uh, that's only served in a 10-ounce glass. I'm not exactly sure about the ABV. I think it's up there, like 7 or 8. Yeah. Which is still kind of low for, like, considering, you know, the dogfish head, but still. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just just so you don't get wet. Dogfish Head is the name of the brewing company, right. and then it's they have different beers. So they have 90-minute, they have 120-minute, uh, they have 60-minute Is that IPAs. how long it takes you to get drunk? I guess so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it's like maybe that's how long the brewing
1: process Actually, that's a fun fact. We should probably look that up because like, like, I have right no again, I idea. Because that. be like, that's a really good one. Go ahead. All okay. So, you talk. so ABV. So we. I think you get that, right? So it's alcohol by volume. Um. You know, back to Kenneth's point about that triple, that IPA triple at twelve to fifteen. That's what some good Zinfandels are. So yeah, that's a lot of alcohol. Um. So just be aware. So then another another um kind of code that you need to know is IBU, which is International Bittering Unit. And what that means is is usually the higher the number the more imparted bitter it might have in it. Now, I don't want you to mean bitter like lemony bitter or sour, you know, that kind of thing. But you're going to have a lot more flavor work in the higher the um, the IBU. Yeah,
0: and also, just a side note, the higher the IBU doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a bitter beer like she just said. But, like, for example, uh, an Imperial Stout could have a very high IBU, but it doesn't taste bitter. Like Guinness or, you know, left-hand milk, or whatever it is. It doesn't necessarily taste bitter, even though the IBU is up there. there. Also, I looked it up, and it does say that the vibrations cause the pellets to vibrate down the game and drop into the beer a few at a time over the course of the 90-minute boil. So, I guess the minutes on the beer for the dogfish head beers is how long it It, boils, boils. and it continuously hops the beer. Excuse me. Uh, So... The that longer it boils, the more it hops the beer, which is obviously the reason for the increase in the ABB.
1: Very good. That's really good Interesting. information. Interesting. Thank you. We so, learned something today. We, we learned. learned. Yeah, we learned. We learned. learned. Okay. <laughs> I'll learn you. <ya. laughs> so uh, give you some um, yardstick there on the IBU. So and Dos Equis. Let's go back to our old friend Mexican lager, Dos Equis. Best beer. Uh, IBU is at 23. Whereas... Uh, Carbach Hopadillo from Houston, Texas is at a 65. So, pretty big jump. Big jump, big jump, yeah. yeah. So, if you were to go into, if uh, if any of us were to go into a brewery and say you're a, you know, a Miller High Life kind of girl, guy, person, yeah. whatever. Person. <laughs> yeah. Other than a child, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Someone eligible, Someone eligible to, to drink all. Anybody <laughs> that falls into that
1: category. Then you would. Uh, if, if you're that kind of that, that lighter style, if you look up and you see a, a, a IBU of around 23 to 25, and you see an ABV of about 4.2 to 4.5, that's your beer. Good. Good right. on you. Good on you. That's that's your beer. That you want. Um, that's what dad wants. That's what dad wants. Dad yeah. likes that. Dad loves yeah. Miller Lite. That's all he drinks. That's and right. he, will he will occasionally
0: drink. branch out, but it's always another lager. It's another lager. You're <laughs> <That's>
1: exactly right. <laughs> He's
0: course, like, is that a lager? I want that.
1: And I've been into
0: Ambers, Ambers lately, and, and
1: I am just like, I got stuck on a beat of Amber last week, okay. and uh, oh man, it is, it, it's a red. Well,
0: I, personally, if I could not have the calories, I would yeah. always drink Live Oak Hefeweizen, that's my favorite beer oh, yeah. in the world. And let me be clear, it's Hefeweizen and not Hefeweizen, like some of you people like to say. <laughs> but, I... Because it's German. Oh man, I know it is German. But I've been drinking, you know, the White Claws and the Truly's lately because I'm yeah. trying to lose weight, but still, I love me some Hefeweizen or wh- any hefeweizen. wheat beer in general. Yeah. I like I unfiltered wheat beers. I mm-hmm. That like sounds them. so
1: gross, unfiltered, but, like, ugh, but they're so good. Yes, fuck me Oh, Okay, <laughs> so good idea, good good thoughts there. I hope that gave you some information. IBU and ABV are your, your keys Two when you keys. go into... Uh, to be able to to learn you something about the beer. IBU
0: and the A B V are the the book says of beer. Yeah. So when you go into a casino you want to go buy the book. Now if you want to go into a brewery you gotta go you gotta the sure. B V and I B U. That's the two basic things that you wanna know before you go in there. Also, so you don't look like you don't know what you're talking <laughs> right. about.
1: But here's also what's really important to know. Don't be afraid to ask for a taste. Oh no Don't Absolutely be afraid not. if you go, oh that you know Ken know, and Chrissy said that that was like, you know, a t- I should stick to a 23 or a 25, and then you look and it's a 28, and you go, ugh, try it. Try it. Y- they're going to give you like a half of an ounce.
0: 9.5 out of 10 times, the bartender is like, oh yeah, like let me give you like a taste of that. They'll give Absolutely. you a tiny taste, I all if you hate it, tell them you hate it. Don't no. drink a beer if you don't like it. Like I go, that's, don't no. order the whole beer,
1: and yeah. then say you don't like it.
0: And also, this is going into that HEB thing that we were talking about, if you are familiar with H-E-B, which I'm sure most of you are from South Texas, but for some reason if someone's listening and they don't have H-E-B around them or they don't know, uh, H-E-B does offer an open box policy. I think that's what it's called. Uh, where if something happens to one of the cans or bottles in a case, they take out the rest of those beers and they put them on a separate shelf for single sales. For yeah. single sales, So you can go in and you can get one IPA and you can buy that by itself. It's like a dollar, depending on the beer, it's like a dollar or two, maybe three. $50, yeah. And then you can just try that one. So if you're afraid to buy the six pack like, or the 12 pack, like you don't want to commit, you can definitely go in there and just try one. And then also... If you get six different ones, you can build your own six-pack if you want to try maybe one of each, and you get 10% off. Yeah. so And it's a it's great gift. A good, yeah, it's a great part. gift, and it's a great deal. So It's a great
1: gift. Yeah, I definitely recommend
0: that. If you're maybe thinking about trying a new IPA or a new whatever, stout, anything like that, lager or a new amber, whatever you're not comfortable with if you want to try something like that, I definitely recommend going to H-U-B mm-hmm. and doing that. And I'm unfamiliar with other supermarkets or grocery stores in different parts of the, you know, country or whatever, but I'm sure that they have something similar
1: to that in other parts of the country. Well, there's nobody like H-E-B. Well, absolutely not. But still, just in case. You get it. You get the idea. (laughs) So, I know Kenna did a lot of research on some history of beer, and I promise you it's not boring. It's very, very interesting. (laughs) I was, like, had my jaw hanging open going, what? That was really cool. (laughs) So, Kenna, Kenna. Yeah, I I actually
0: learned a lot, too. Um, Like I said, I've been bartending for seven years, and... I mean, I just Googled history of beer. Anybody can do it, but I know that you'd rather listen to me tell you than just read it off the (laughs) internet. Of course. So before I begin all this info, I just want to let you know where it came from. Um, It's called heartlandbrewery.com, and it was so informational. I mean, like, I was taking notes, and I almost wrote down verbatim what it said because every sentence had something that was worth mentioning. Um, so I'll try to, you know, go through this and as quickly as possible. I know this isn't a history podcast or a, you know, school podcast, but it's going to be fun, I promise. So beer is actually the oldest recorded recipe in the world out of anything. Um, so the ancient Egyptians actually first documented the brewing process on papyrus scrolls in 5000 BC.
1: What? That
0: is, I think, a long time ago. It sounds <laughs> like it's really long ago.
1: I'm just kidding.
0: Uh, so they used dates, pomegranates, and other indigenous herbs, which weren't mentioned, but it kind of sounds like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? What would
1: be well I, indigenous to ancient Well, I would Egypt? think, uh, you know, I would think like um, myrrh and, and frankincense and that sort of thing. But, you know, when you read that earlier, it struck me how cool that is that all of those flavors have kind of come full circle. Yeah. And that, that we're making... Ales and things like that with those flavors like pomegranates again. and dates. Right.
0: yeah. and it's I mean it's crazy the things that you can see like, especially right now in October the pumpkin ales, yeah, cinnamon beers, nutmeg like just all spice literally, literally like spices. yeah, yeah it's just you can literally put anything into a beer and make it sure. taste good. Sure, Um So by by today's standards these beers that they I guess would say quote unquote beers that they brewed back then would have been quite harsh. Yeah. I mean I would say like up there in ABV, like maybe, not even necessarily ABV, just like maybe IBU, like the bitterness was just outrageous. Sure. And it was hard to drink. It wasn't quality. Exactly. But people were like, fuck it, you know, I'm going to drink it anyway. (laughs) So... Uh, so this was mostly used for religious ceremonies uh, hosted by the Egyptians. They would host the religious ceremonies, and the pharaohs actually were the ones that directed the brewing and the distribution of the beer, and then they they would like either barter it or sell it to the Egyptian people for use in their ceremonies. Okay. Um, so this is actually a fun fact. Uh, it says that the primitive cultures of Mesopotamia were actually believed to be the first brewers but they forgot to write down the recipe, the so it didn't get I guess. So. Um, but that was actually as far back as 10,000 BC that that wow. happened. That it's believed to have been the first uh, brewers of beer. Yeah. They just didn't write it down. Yeah. I was like, all right, Oops. wait up, sp- the pooch on that one. I forgot. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Anyway, so um, beer eventually made it from the Middle East to Europe, where it became a huge part of their culture. Um, I mean, like it is in our culture and, you know, everyone else's. Yeah. Um, except for the people that don't drink, which, good on you. Uh, so, Northern Europe, mostly, because they had an abundance of barley crops. So, like, that was a natural thing that happened in Europe. They had... Or not happened, but not, grew in Europe. And yeah. they, you know, they just used that to their advantage. So, the barley... The barley beer that they were brewing quickly became valued due to its nutritional value, which oh. is funny to say, but it was nutritional to them back then. Sure. And also... It was a safe alternative to the water that was mostly contaminated by human waste. Ugh. Yum. Ugh. Yeah. So, it so was they safe boiled al- it and
1: it made it safe. Yeah,
0: I guess so. I guess so. Or when it was being brewed, <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, so pretty much the Middle Ages equals modern beer. Like the Middle Ages beer that, that was brewed during that time is like pretty, like the closest, you know, history wise to what we drink now. So, malted barley was most common, like I said. And then. This is really interesting. The use of hops and bittering didn't happen until the 12th century.
1: Wow. So
0: this was in, again, 5000 BC, and they didn't use hops or bittering until 1100 almost. Interesting. Very interesting. So that's pretty cool. So before then, obviously, before the use of... um, of uh, bittering and hops, they used many herbs and spices to balance those sweet and malty flavors, uh, which included, like, dry flowers, spruce bros, and bitter roots. So, like, all natural, you know, obviously it's still natural today, but, you know, just anything they could find, pretty much. So, around the year 1150, German monks began to use wild hops in their beer, and it became very popular. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, like, you just broke through the beer whatever like the beer like <laughs> beer ceiling sure yeah so the flavor was very popular and the hops acted as a natural preservative so they the beer that they made lasted longer than the beer that had been made previously because there was a natural preservative in the hops so the monks pretty much played a huge role in bringing beer to life including having a brewery at almost every monastery
1: oh, that they okay
0: yeah. so and then they introduced uh, ideas of lagering, which just in Spark Notes, it's brewing at a low temperature for a long period of time, like several weeks, uh, and then cold storing the beer to improve, to improve the flavor. So, Got it. Pretty much like we do now, but yeah. that was like an original idea. Back then. They did it before it was cool, pretty yeah. much. Um, so, and then again, we said lagering earlier, or lager earlier for a brief period of time. Think Dos Equis, like that's a lager, you know, everyone knows what Dos Equis tastes like, or hopefully you do. So, along with Germany and Belgium, the British Isles actually became a really big hotspot for brewing as well. Uh, many styles popular today came from British, or Brit- British from Britain, <laughs> which includes uh, pale ales like Sierra Nevada, if you're familiar with that, porters like Vanilla Porter from Brackenridge Brewing or Five One Two from Austin, and stouts like Guinness, obviously from Ireland. Uh, So, beer had become such a big part of the British life, in fact, that the British army actually issued daily rations to the troops, and when the British Empire got so big that it occupied half of the civilized world, the Navy actually delivered beer to the troops in the farthest corners of the world, like, because they were like, we need beer, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, they went out there, and they were like, send this beer to these guys, and this is actually how IPAs developed, because... They needed to make that beer preserved long enough for them to travel by boat over to give these to the, the beer to these troops, and they needed to have something that was like a natural preservatives, so that would have been uh, the alcohol and the extra hops that they added, which in turn lasted longer and created an IPA. So there you go, India Pale Ale. Which is funny because the reason why the term India Pale Ale is a thing is because they would send these beers to the troops that were stationed in India. That's crazy. So, yeah, that's like the big way that it came uh, came about. So, getting to us, America, the beer first arrived in the New World with the first European colonists, excuse me, According to the Journals of the Pilgrims, which is like, how do you have that? <laughs> According yeah. to the Journals of the Pilgrims, the reason that they landed at Plymouth Rock was because they were out of beer and <laughs> needed to make more. <laughs> and I'm like, beer. preach. <laughs> like, seriously, though. And then this is actually kind of fun. The first permanent structure that was built was a brewery. Oh, fuck. So they landed and they were like... Brewery (laughs) Like let's do it Uh, And then New York City And Philadelphia Were actually the two Early brewing centers In the United States With New York City alone Having 42 breweries In 1810 Wow 42 breweries That's a lot So Almost all early American beers Were based on the English style ales Obviously that they Had been drinking They brought it over And they made all that so, in the mid 1800s, obviously thousands of immigrants came from North and Central Europe and they brought a taste for the newest style of beer that had taken over. Okay. So, they didn't want this other beer. Oh, which oh shit. shit. We've been drinking that for years. There's this new beer and it's called Pilsner style which were being brewed in Germany and the Czech Republic. Okay. Uh, so very quickly, these beers replaced those dark, heavy, heavy IPAs beers. that they were had been brewing because they wanted them to last longer. And they're yeah. like, no, we want this good-tasting beer because we're here now, you yeah. know? Yeah. So the demand for that beer rose rapidly in the 1800s and into the 1900s. Uh, and then, guess what? Dun-dun-dun. Prohibition. Prohibition. Yeah. Bummer. Glad I wasn't alive back then. <laughs> uh, so that happened between 1920 and 1933. Obviously, a lot of breweries went out of business, but some of them survived because they used their
1: malt to make sugar ice cream and soda. And Anheuser Busch, well, oh, go ahead. yeah, they they actually, when Dad and I took a tour of the, mm-hmm. in St. Louis. They actually used their uh, facilities to can water for the troops.
0: That's so smart. I know. Because that's and like they you have all food. of the... Yeah, and you have all of the stuff to they keep kept people. In you might as well like, make use really cool. of all those empty cans that you have. Yeah, not that we're promoting the big guys, but just, yeah. it was just a good feel-good <laughs> comment there. <laughs> so when Prohibition finally lifted in 1933, America was in a major depression, obviously, uh, making it obvi- clearly very difficult for these breweries to come back and, and um, be, you know booming you know yeah so the beers that became popular during this time budweiser and Schlitz. schlitz (laughs) Schlitz. schlitz i don't drink that clearly budweiser and schlitz um expanded and then their sales grew giving them the ability to make beer like dirty yeah
1: well you know schlitz was the very first beer that was sold in a brown bottle long neck really your grandfather loved schlitz oh my gosh he loved
0: schlitz that's so awesome what a weird like how do we know we're just random fun facts <laughs> like we just know this <laughs> so the cheap beer trend continued until the late 70s and into the early 80s um and just a side note before prohibition there was over two thousand breweries in the united states and by 1983 there were only a few hundred oh uh so there was a law that was in effect until the late 70s called the tide house law Which made it illegal for breweries to sell their beverage on premise. On premise, so they had to bottle it at the stores and then like ship Ship it out or sell it out. They couldn't have anybody come and buy it from them. Uh, So now today, almost all fifty states have permits. That regulated establishments of brew pub. That, excuse me. That regulates the establishment of brew pubs. So that's a thing now. Everyone yeah. can go visit, which is what we're gonna do. Yeah. The brew pubs. And today there are over two thousand brew pubs in the United States, which is right, like pretty much the same number as there was before prohibition. That's crazy. So it's up and coming. Prohibition? No, thank you. It's <laughs> Get up out and of here. Coming, right? Yeah. So um, that's really cool. I mean, that's and that's exactly what we're setting out to do. Is to. Visit these microbreweries And this might be like brew pubs Like big businesses We're trying to focus like we said on local businesses That are Doing good stuff Exactly small and people that just wanted a shot At doing what they loved And all that stuff um, So before we get a little bit more into that I just want to share a couple of fun facts Because I like fun facts fun And facts. even though people like think fun that fun, fun facts time. Is a oxymoron moron fun, fun, fun facts, fun facts <laughs> Fun facts, fun facts <laughs> um, so just a couple. Uh, humans consume humans in the whole world consume over fifty billion gallons of beer every year. Wow. Um, oh, and this is one that I really I really liked. Beer is the third most popular beverage after water and tea worldwide. <laughs> and I love me some water and tea, I but guess what? I love tea. me some beer <laughs> as well. That's um, the, uh, and then, for all of you beer lovers out there, which obviously I think that you like beer is why you're or which is why you're listening or you just like us and thank you for listening even though you don't drink but there is actually a national beer holiday it's called national beer day and it's on april 7th i didn't know so that. we will be celebrating that with you guys next year whenever we have our podcast <laughs> so we'll be cracking open a new one yeah cracking a cold one crackin but thank you guys man. so much for coming to listen um we love the support that we've already got i mean Even since we put up our groups on Facebook and Instagram, we've had almost 100 people follow us and like our page and stuff like that. And uh, it's just been a blessing so far, and I just can't imagine how big it hopefully will get and we will have new content for you guys. I think once every two weeks for the first couple months, and then after that, depending on the demand, we probably will start doing it once a week. But this was just our first one. Um, If you guys would like to hear more specific details about beer and things that maybe you didn't know, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer, we are completely willing to do a second intro podcast, just saying what, you know, answering any questions that you guys might have, um, giving more fun facts and a little bit more history if you want that. Um, If that's not a thing that we need to do, then that's completely fine because we definitely will be mentioning, you know, certain things about beer when we talk about specific beers that we're trying. But also, if it's something that you guys want to hear, please let us know, and we can, we'll we do our
1: best to um, get another intro, part, or a second part. Absolutely. And remember that the point of drinking beer is not is to enjoy it, not to be a beer snob, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so what, what's good, what you like, and what I like, and what Kenna likes, maybe three completely different things, and that's okay. It is it's all about just telling you the flavor profile, remembering those keys, like, like the uh, ABV and the IBU, just those those things. And once you familiarize yourself with stuff, it's super easy to figure out what you're gonna like. Absolutely.
0: And like I, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, um, but if we did, just to reiterate, we're trying to establish your flavor profile. If you already know your flavor profile, that's awesome. Good on you, And please continue to listen because we're hilarious, and I know that you want to listen to us. But I'm trying to establish my flavor profile as well. I think both of us have a pretty good idea, but we're also completely open to interpretation. And not to mention, you get new taste buds every two weeks. So your flavor profile could easily change in a a month, two weeks, a couple years, whatever it is. So I think that everybody should have an open mind during this and I think that it would be completely awesome if you guys continue to listen to us and listen to our thoughts and our information about the microbreweries and go visit these people and because they are really trying hard to make a name for themselves and be part of the brewing industry and, and be they, part of your
1: community. Absolutely. And,
0: and they are just some of the greatest people that you'll ever meet. So please, please, uh, if not only to listen to the podcast, please go take the time if you can and support these people because they're, they're incredible. They are like us on all forms of social media, Instagram, uh, crack a cold one, 2020, Facebook, crack a cold one colon a South Texas podcast, and subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you guys so much for listening. Are you ready for another round? Crack a cold one. Join us next time.